Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Every year in January, hundreds of thousands march in Washington for the annual March for Life. And so this week, on a special edition of Salt and Light Radio, we celebrate life with some of our best interviews and artists who are working for life. We'll hear from David B. Wright, founder of the 40 Days for Life campaign, and from street counselor at Aid to Women in Toronto, Julie Abernethy. We also speak with and listen to music from Lorraine Hartsuk and David McDonald. And we begin with David McDonald's song, Life is the First Human Right. It's amazing to me how God can call someone who has absolutely no knowledge or previous experience of religion or God. But that's exactly what happened 
to David McDonald, singer, songwriter from Ottawa. I spoke to David last Thursday as he was preparing for the National March for Life in Ottawa. David, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Hey, Pedro. Glad to be here. Yes. Um, so, uh, not to get, because we have, don't have a lot of time, but to get the full story, what was, what was it like to grow up in the McDonald household? <laughs> well, my parents used to play frisbee with plates. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Suffice it to say, there was a lot of fights and there's a lot of arguments, and there was no God. And there's an old saying that says, you know, if you have no God, no God, you have no peace. But if you know yes. God, K N O W, you know peace. And we didn't know God. We so there was a lot of fights. So you didn't have you didn't have God. You didn't have peace. Um, you wanted to be a superstar. You ended up on Broadway. You ended up touring Cats. Tell us a little bit about that lifestyle. Yeah, so I went down to New York at 19, and uh, things really took off for me. I ended up producing rap records in Harlem, and then uh, got an audition on Broadway for a Broadway show uh, called Rock and Roll the First 5,000 Years, and uh, after that closed, I ended up doing a couple of movies, one for Paramount, one for Columbia Pictures, so... Uh, hanging out with Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Cruise and kind of that generation of actors and things were really taken off but uh, you know I, I had that hole inside me you know that God-sized hole and, I, and only God could fill it and there's nothing in this world that could fill it so I could get everything I wanted but it wasn't enough and uh, what ended up happening was that I just started spiraling and I got involved in an abortion uh, with, uh, with my girlfriend at the time I wasn't living a chaste life of course uh, at that time, and uh, I didn't even know what chastity meant, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I got involved in an abortion, and we both really spiraled. She was a medical doctor, and she got, uh, you know, she became, you know, got kind of uh, drugged up after that, and I got all twisted up, and I blew my voice out completely when I was on the U.S. national tour cast. I was the rock and roll cat, uh, the Rum Tum Tugger, mm-hmm. and I blew my voice out completely right before the Chicago opening, and, and that was the end of my career. I couldn't talk for... Uh, for uh, three years, and I couldn't sing for ten years. So that was the beginning, the beginning of the beginning. I was going to say the beginning of the end, but the beginning, the beginning <laughs> of the beginning. It was the end of me and the beginning of, of Christ in me, you know. And uh, I was up in Montreal, and I just had this. I went up into the oratory, you know, where where Brother Andre, uh, you know, yeah. uh, who was going to be beatified in a couple of months. Yeah. Um, uh, just really, he moved in my heart. I didn't even know who he was, you know. And it's just, I just wandered around the tomb of Brother Andre's uh, uh, tomb, and and there was this amazing feeling that came over me. And right after that, I went upstairs, and in front of the cross, I just lay down on my face and I said, "Jesus, I said, I don't know you, and I don't know your people, but I just ask that you'd come and take my heart and take my life, and I give you everything I've ever been and everything I ever will be and everything I am. Jesus, take my life." And that was the beginning of a of a new path for me. Yeah, um, uh, that that full st- you just given us the uh, you know the three minute version. That full um, testimony can be found on your website. So if people are interested in, in reading all the details, the web- website is David Mac. Yeah, you come see me. Oh, yeah, you, that's my that's my music website. Probably the best way to get a hold of me is catholicbridge.com. Okay. Catholicbridge.com. So that's the apologetic site. Um, Catholicbridge.com. Um, uh, it's a fascinating, powerful, powerful story. I've been blessed to hear it uh, a few times, um, which brought you not just to the church, or this, but to have a very strong uh, pro-life stance. And you already mentioned a little bit about the, the experience you had with your girlfriend at the time with the abortion. How, 
how did that experience come back to you in in the sense that you felt that you were being called to take a stand for life now as a as a as a Christian as a Catholic? Well, you know, it took me a long time to really get the full magnitude of what I'd been involved with. You know, I was Christian for quite some time, probably 15 years before I actually really got it how important this issue of abortion was and how uh, incredibly selfish I was by sacrificing, uh, you know, my, my children on the altar of my ambition. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, uh, it was really around uh, 2001 or so I got introduced to the people who were doing the National March for Life um, because of my Christian music, uh, you know, thing that was happening. Yeah. And just by talking with the people involved and, and by witnessing with them, and then one day just really connecting up with what I'd actually done, you know, it was the Lord just downloaded into my heart this incredible pain, uh, you know, uh, over my children. And then I had a, a dream about, uh, about hitting this little girl with a car, you know, and, uh, and then I saw... In this meditation, uh, I saw her uh, standing beside Mother Mary and, uh, and saying, you know, this is your daughter, David. And I'm like, can I talk to her? You know, yes. And how do I know she's in heaven? Well, she's with me, isn't she? Where am I? Mm-hmm. Right? And then I got this incredible feeling of love, you know, and uh, I just really asked my, my daughter forgiveness uh, for what I had done, the selfishness I, you know, Done. And and since then I've been speak I speak to probably about uh, I don't know ten thousand young people a year uh, about abortion going into schools and sometimes you know different radio things or whatever and on my website right. uh, helping young people to make a decision and a choice not only to stand up for life if they find themselves in a pregnancy situation but also to stand up politically for life and and this type of thing. And, and today's a big day, of course, uh, the National March for yes. Life at noon. Uh, we are uh, going to be uh, celebrating life, and we're also going to be telling our government how important it is that they consider the unborn in their legislation. And we will have, uh, we're estimating about 15,000 people there, and of those, it'll be 5,000 young people. Yes, that's awesome. Just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro. We're speaking with our featured artist of the week, David McDonald. So, David, um, thank you for, for, the, for the information about the, the National March for Life. Uh, what is your involvement with the march this year? Um, well, I'm I'm running the band, and I'm uh, I'm also behind the scenes. I do all of the equipment uh, rentals and all that kind of thing. So I'm very much on the organizing committee. Um, but I also, uh, you know, run the band and I sing and I write a theme song for it. But I, I'm bring I brought in a really good young singer this year from uh, the Hamilton area, Ancaster, mm-hmm. named Cal- uh, Kathleen Dunn, and she's going to be singing with our band today, uh, singing a theme song that I wrote. And uh, she's like 19 years old. And she practices chastity and she goes to Our Lady Seat of Wisdom Academy, and she's really heavy into her Catholic faith and into telling her peers about chastity. So. So, you know, the next thing for me to do is to really hand off this, this, uh, this love of music and the pro-life movement to the younger generation and to give them a chance to come on up and, and come alongside them and, and nurture them and mentor them. Yeah. Now, David, we've been listening to uh, a couple of your songs so far, uh, Across and Holy of Holies. Um, what, did you get the sense that when you were being changed by God that that he was telling you that he was taking your music away from you and then 
how was the the moment where you realized that the music was not being taken away from you but that in fact it was it was you were being called to use the music for this for this new uh this new call well, right after, it's, you're absolutely right, Pedro. Right after I had that experience with the Lord, I, and I really had a sense that He wanted me to give up music completely, and, and I gave away everything, $20,000 worth of equipment, and I sold it rock bottom cheap and everything, just, you know, and I worked in a charity and eventually went back to school. Never thought I'd ever do music ever again. I couldn't sing anyway during those days. Mm-hmm. And it was on a Curcio retreat uh, uh, 10 years later when all of a sudden they, there was just this teaching about Christ is at the center of a spiritual life, and I, I thought, I wonder if I could write a song for Christ. You know, it just came mm. through my head. I hadn't touched an instrument in 10 years, and I, and I just, I don't know, I just picked up a guitar that was beside me, and I just started singing this song, Love at the Center, and, you know, and, and I sang it, and my voice sort of came back uh, uh, by that time, and... Uh, and everybody, nobody knew that I was a singer, you know. Right. And so there was this incredible uh, feeling of joy in the audience, and everybody was like, wow, this is amazing. We all sang together this theme song that I wrote, uh, and that was the beginning of it. That was 1998. And, and so I sang for, I was touring for about 10 years, doing quite a bit in India, and of course the World Youth Days, and all the yes. Europe, and all that kind of thing down in the U.S., and things were going really well. Um, and then on the European tour, I, blew, I should say, uh, after World Youth Day in, in Sydney, I blew my voice out in India again. And, uh, and I was wondering, Lord, wait a second, I'm on the right team here. What are you doing? Why are you taking my voice away again? And it was really because uh, there was this woman on my heart, and I've been practicing chastity, of course, for the last 10 years and, and not involved in any relationships. And um, and this beautiful woman, Kirsten, came into my life, and uh, and I was able through all of this to kind of see the incredible uh, gift that God had for me, and that he, what He was giving to me. And so uh, uh, I, we're moving towards marriage now. That's that is that's such a good story. I mean, I really encourage people to go to CatholicBridge.com. And, and read the full testimony, find out more about David. You're not just a pro-life speaker, you're, a, you're, a, you're an accomplished singer and songwriter. There's lots, of, lots more uh, inside of you, David, to come out, I'm sure. And, uh, and uh, just many blessings on this upcoming marriage between you and Kirsten. Um, thank oh, you for thanks. being with us today. Thank you, Pedro. God bless and have fun at the march. <laughs> yeah. That was a conversation I had with David McDonald last Thursday as he was preparing for the National March for Life in Ottawa. May 14th marked 41 years since the Canadian Parliament passed the infamous omnibus bill, Bill C-150, the legislation which decriminalized contraception, abortion, and homosexuality. In Canada today, there is no law restricting abortion, even up to the moment before birth. For more information, you can visit the Campaign Life Coalition website campaignlifecoalition.com Here now is David McDonald with his pro-life song Life is the Only Choice I was climbing the ladder I didn't know my morals were shattered by my ambition Oh no Lord I was looking for glamour I didn't know I was taking a hammer to my conscience And everything I should have treasured I was lost in this world That knows nothing about love 
nothing more than racing after emptiness Chasing the wind I lost my mind, everything I owned I lost my child and my soul My mad rush for security I didn't know life is precious From beginning to end David McDonald's Life is the Only Choice, and before that, a conversation I had with David McDonald in March 2010. It's very easy to protest abortion, but not so easy to actually give pregnant women the support they need in order to keep their baby. In December 2010, I spoke with Aid to Women street counselor Julie Abernethy. I remember when my wife was pregnant for the first time. The excitement of this new life growing inside of her. The first time we heard the heartbeat, we, we spoke to the baby, we sang to him, we played music. Unfortunately for many women and men, 
this is not the case. Some women feel scared to be pregnant. Some feel that they will not be able to care for their baby. And it is these desperate women who seek desperate measures in order to end their pregnancy. Some of them find their way to places like Aid to Women, an organization in Toronto dedicated to helping moms carry their babies to term. And one of the counselors at Aid to Women is Julie Abernethy, who joins us now on the phone. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. So, what exactly do you do at Aid to Women? Um, well, what I do, um, I guess every day or every morning that I'm there, is um, outside in the street from about 7.30 to 11. And uh, we try, me and the other counselors, we try to um, approach women before they go into the mortuary and uh, try to tell them that there's another option out there. You okay, know, so... Present them with a loving message to choose life. It's kind of the last um, last opportunity for them to hear that message. Okay, you know? l- let, me, let me back up because maybe sure. some <laughs> people didn't get understand and, and because we didn't say it. So Aid to Women is located directly next door to an abortion facility. That's right, that's right. So that makes us actually very unique in, um, yes. in Canada. I think there's maybe one other um, place like us in Canada, but we're certainly very unique. So we do have that opportunity. Um, so people, women who are in that uh, situation you know, where they are feeling pressure, where they are feeling stress, where they are um, you know, going through a lot of emotions, they don't know what to do. Um, they think of uh, the abortion is going to solve my problem, so I'm going to go to what is um, the Cabbage Town Clinic? That's where we're located yes. beside. And um, you know they're they're going they're going to this clinic thinking this will this will solve the problem. So we try to be outside um, to tell them to, to say to them you know there is another option out there. Um, this is, won't solve your problem. It may give you some relief temporarily, but there are so many other problems. Right. Um, we've seen women you know women who come to us after they've had an abortion, um, and they want to help out and tell a woman you know that's not that's not the solution. You know right. how it how it kind of ruined their lives. So we're there for the child, of course. We want that child to be born. It's a beautiful blessing, you know, having a newborn in their arms. It's a beautiful blessing, um, but also for the women because they suffer after, you know. And right. so we're there for them um, when they go in to give them that message of love and life. And then when they come out, um, we're also there to, to provide, you know, a little bit of information and some some healing. Say, you know, these are places you can go to find healing. Try and bring them back to God. Because that's the place where they, they need, you know, they need to come back. They need that spiritual um, healing. Right now, in in in, it's 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 just mind-boggling. I cannot imagine what it'd be like to be on the street, kind of actually doing what you do. So, what what would you say is the biggest challenge in the work that you do? The biggest challenge, um, I think it's it's a spiritual spiritual really? battle, and so to always make sure that uh, we we pray a half hour before we come, um, just stay in in the, in the state of grace and just to pray when we're there and to, you know, there are people who are very happy to see us and thank us, and then there are people who, you know, yell at us and, and reject, you know, the message that we have um, from, you know, they are filled with a little bit of hate and anger, and to kind right. of just let that go and say, you know what, I give that to God, and uh, He's doing whatever He can through me, and I'm just here as His instrument. So, to kind of keep that humility um, about us, I think that's that's the biggest challenge for me, anyway. Okay, no, just to note for anyone that might be Tuning in at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro Guevara Man. We're speaking with Julie Abernethy, who's a street counselor at Aid to Women, a crisis pregnancy center, uh, counseling center in Toronto. Now, um, because you're next door to the abortion facility, a lot of women, or men even, might go in up to Aid to Women by mistake. I've heard that that happens. Yes, yeah, that happens. It definitely does. Um, 
and I don't like to call it a mistake. <laughs> I call course. it a you know a little act of God to to use you know trying to give them that grace, um, just one more chance. And you know then we do get a chance to speak. Sometimes not very very for very long. Sometimes they're very angry they've come to the wrong place. Right. Um, but then we do sometimes get a chance to speak to them a little bit before they go in. Right. Um, which is very important. At least for us, at least they they have the information. They know the help that's out there. Um, and some of them won't change their mind, but maybe, you know, for the next time, most women who've had an abortion will have another one. Right. So at least then for the next time, they'll, they'll have that. They'll know where they can go to get help. What experiences have you had with, with men? Because it's quite often that the women will go in and the, or the guys will bring them, drop them off, but they won't go inside and yeah, they'll wait that's, outside. Yeah, that's right. The, um, um, I'll tell you actually two, two stories. One is uh, there was um, a man just uh, about two weeks ago who came. He brought his wife. They're immigrants, and he said, you know, we've spoken to him outside, and he came up to, to be with us, and he, um, they actually had a, a one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old. Hmm. No, actually, it was, maybe he was two. And, um, and you know, we spoke to him, and we told him all the things about, you know, the help that's out there and, and what an abortion is, what it does to the woman. And he said to us after, he said, wow, I, I wish I'd spoken to you before I'd come, and I wish everyone had to do that. Why didn't, you know, someone tell us that there was a place like you? Why don't people have to come see you before they go to to have the abortion, you know. Right. So we can speak to these men, and you know, later on, now he can pass. He said, "I will pass that message on and tell people about you." Um, you know, and now I know how to do how also to help my wife as she's going through these struggles. You know, where she can go. Right. Um, but I'll tell you the status story was the uh, you know not to give too much information. We don't like to give a lot of information. Yes. For specific people, but there was one man you know uh, a little while ago who, who flew all the way from Thunder Bay just to, to stop his, his girlfriend from having an abortion. He didn't even know what clinic she was at wow. or what time her appointment was. He spent all his rent money to um, to fly, and, and so we had a chance to talk to him as well. Right. Now, do you get any financial support from the government? <laughs> you know, people have asked us that, and every time I just kind of laugh, um, only because the, um, I mean, the government is, is gives, you know, what is it, $50 million or something like that to uh, abortuaries, the abortion industry in Canada, so... They don't really like us, I don't think, as much, <laughs> um, because we are, you know, taking away from that, uh, from, from the um, abortions that are happening. So, no, we don't get any money from, from the government. So, um, so the government, so my tax dollars are funding the abortion facility, but none of that money goes to uh, alternatives, to choice. Right. <laughs> to give right. them a choice. So okay. we, do, we do get a summer intern. We have applied for that, and, and I mean, that's, that's one of the things that... that um, the government has given us, but as far as monetary aid and things like that, no. Interesting. Julie, that's all the time we have, but thank you so much for sharing a little bit about what you do, and you're doing great work, and I know it's difficult, but keep at it, okay? Perfect. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Keep us in your prayers. Thank you. We will. That was a conversation I had with Julie Abernethy in December 2010. Julie used to be a street counselor at Aid to Women, a crisis pregnancy center in Toronto. You can find out more about them at aidtowomen.ca. Hello and welcome to part two of Salt and Light Radio on Pedro Guevara Man. Now listen to this. Prayer, silence, and fasting. Not very exciting, right? Abortion, not something people want to talk about. Well, 
Check it out. Over 350,000 people in all 50 U.S. states, Canada, Australia, Northern Ireland, and Denmark have joined in for this. More than 11,500 church congregations have participated. More than 850 news stories have been featured in newspapers, magazines, radio shows, and TV programs. Five abortion facilities have been shut down because of it. 35 abortion workers have quit their jobs because of it. And it's reported that 2,811 lives have been saved from abortion. That's the 40 Days for Life campaign. And to tell us all about it, we are joined now by the founder and national director of 40 Days for Life, David B. Wright. David, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Oh, Pedro, thank you so much for having me on today. Okay, so it's not, I, I'm, I'm hoping that most of our listeners are familiar with 40 Days for Life, but they might not know how it started. I, I was even surprised that it's really only been three years. It seems like it's been going on forever. It's like such a part of our lives. So how did it start? Well, 40 Days for Life really began, Pedro, with just one simple thing, and that was an hour of prayer. And some people think that, oh, we're just kind of exaggerating that. No, it really was an hour of prayer. It was a day back in the late summer of 2004 uh-huh. when a good friend of mine, Sean Carney, his wife, Mary Lisa, right. who I worked with in local pro-life efforts, yeah. another young lady, we were frustrated because we had a local abortion facility in the town where we lived in Texas, and the abortion numbers were nearing 2,000 since that facility had opened. And we were just devastated because we didn't know what to do to stop this tragedy. And so out of frustration, we realized since we didn't have the answer, we needed to look to a different source for the answer. Uh And so literally around an old wooden table, we spent one hour in focused prayer asking God to show us what we could do to help bring an end to this tragedy. I always warn people now from my experience, be careful when you pray those kind of prayers because God really will answer them many times. So from that hour, the first thing that we really felt convicted about was that we needed to do something for the time frame of 40 days. And when we read throughout biblical history, we see over right. and over again that time frame is yeah. incredibly significant. Yeah. You know, think about Moses was, uh, you know, out uh, in the wilderness at, on years. Mount Sinai yeah. yes, for 40 days, yes. or Noah was on the ark for 40 days, or Jesus was out the, yep. uh, on his own for 40 days prior to beginning his public ministry. Mm-hmm. Many times God uses that time frame to bring about transformation. And when we look at our world today, when we look at the abortion crisis in Canada, across the United States, around the world, we recognize that we are really in a crisis and we need transformation. So that was where the 40-day time frame came from. And then still during that hour of prayer, the three things that we felt led to do, number one was to pray and fast for an end to abortion. Mm -hmm. Prayer because we know that with God all things are possible, Mm -hmm. and fasting because we know that some demons can only be driven out through prayer and fasting. Secondly was the constant vigil outside of these abortion facilities where lives are at risk, because that is where we go to save lives. You know, we go to where they're at the greatest risk to intercede and to try to save lives, and many times people quietly praying outside of these places, that is enough to bring about a change of heart in a young woman who's about to make the worst decision of her life, a decision for abortion, and many times she will choose life because people are praying there. And the third and final thing during that hour of prayer we felt led to do was conduct grassroots outreach, spreading this sanctity of life message to everybody we could, friends and family and Mm -hmm. fellow believers going door to door, speaking in churches and schools, whatever we could to spread the word. That hour of prayer was what launched that first 40 Days for Life campaign, just an independent effort in that one Texas town, and then as you cited, now this effort has spread uh, across all 50 American states, six Canadian provinces, multiple other countries, 
and we're just in awe at what God has accomplished. So, but that you had you had that that first local campaign in two thousand and four in yep. Texas. How did? But the first major national campaign was two thousand and seven. That's correct. When we did that first one in oh four, we were absolutely exhausted when it finished. We had seen over a thousand people get involved. Abortions were reduced in that town by twenty eight percent. But we had just felt like we climbed Mount Everest and and down again, <laughs> yeah. and just felt that we could we couldn't do it again. And thought nobody else would be crazy enough to do this. But one by one, other cities began to duplicate what they had seen from College Station, Texas. Okay. And they saw similar results. So it was in the fall of 2007 that we finally said, gee, God's doing something here. Maybe we should join him in the work that he's doing. Let's coordinate. And that was when yeah. we organized the first national and now international 40 Days for Life. Right. Okay. Just to know for anyone that might be joining at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro. And we're speaking with David B. Wright. He's the uh, founder and national director of the 40 Days for Life uh, campaign. Now, David, how did you, I mean, you obviously were already doing pro-life work before 2004 when, when you had your little prayer session. So how did you get involved? It's a great question. I never really wanted to be involved. I was raised in a <laughs> Nobody Christian does. home that uh, never talked about abortion. The church I grew up in never mentioned abortion. And it wasn't until I met my now wife, Margaret, of 18 years that she started talking to me about being raised in a Catholic family down in South Texas where they, every weekend, would go out and pray outside of abortion facilities in wow. Corpus Christi, and they saw one by one these different facilities start closing until eventually they were all gone. And when she shared that with me, I was a little bit convicted, but I thought, you know, I don't know, I don't want to get involved. And then that Planned Parenthood abortion facility opened in the town I lived in, in College Station, Texas. And okay. so I started first to volunteer with Margaret, my wife, and then over time, we just really felt convicted. This is what we were supposed to do. And so it was in 2001 that I resigned my job in the business world. I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, uh-huh. and I just really felt convicted that, you know, one day I'm going to have to answer to my children and ultimately to God about what I did or didn't do to respond to our call to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. So I quit my job, and we've been working full-time in the pro-life movement since 2001. Yeah. How do you find, as a man... I sometimes feel that, that I, 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 it's thrown in my face, well, it's, I, I don't have a say because I'm a man, right. and this is a woman's issue. How, how, do you, uh, how do you deal with that one? Well, the first thing I always come back to is, number one, every child I've ever met has both a mother and a father. father. So every child conceived in the womb, made in God's image and likeness, there was a man involved in that. And so men are equally as affected by abortion. The number two thing I think about is the overwhelming majority of abortionists are men. And the pro-abortion movement that is always trying to say men should stay out of this, never tell that to all these male abortionists who are doing these abortions in these facilities across our countries. The third and final thing is I have met so many men who have been abandoned to lives of regret. They fathered a child that ultimately was destroyed through abortion, Mm -hmm. and it devastated them, sometimes Mm -hmm. emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And I've met many, many men who have been devastated by an abortion experience. This is a crisis, a human rights crisis that affects every member of the human family, mm-hmm. and we all have a responsibility in standing up and speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. Right, right. Um, you mentioned earlier that some demons can only be driven out through prayer and fasting. Right. And I, I, I mean, I, I love that. I think it's a, it's a, <laughs> it, that's a mission right there. But is abortion? I mean, when we. Abortion, uh, the demon of abortion, is that a f- an accurate um, representation? You know, why does abortion require such a mobilization? Well, the first thing we have to recognize is that abortion, at its root, this is a spiritual crisis. Um, you know, when you think about biblical history, we realize that any time you destroy the life of an innocent person, that is an affront to God. That is why one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not 
kill, thou shalt not murder. That is something very foundational. We also know that from the very beginning, God has said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And he talks about how every child is made in his image and likeness. So God does not accept abortion, and we have to recognize that undermining all of this is a spiritual crisis. I have seen so many things as I've been in former abortion facilities where I've met people who are spiritually devastated by an abortion experience to know that at its root, this is a spiritual struggle, and therefore we must first and foremost combat it with spiritual weapons. And prayer and fasting are at the forefront of those things. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say, Pedro, that the first time I ever fasted was during that 40 Days for Life back in 2004. Really? I had never fasted in my life, really? but yet I knew in Scripture that was something we were supposed to do as believers. Uh -huh. And during that campaign, I thought, oh, I'm going to get involved, we're going to transform the world through our fasting. What I didn't know is that through my fasting, I would be transformed. Yes. God would use that time to change me, and then through that, then he would begin to transform the world around us. Right. So sometimes God uses prayer and fasting to get to us first mm -hmm. and then to the world around us. Interesting. That's great to remember. David, that's all the time we have, but thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to finally connect with you and, and meet you on the phone and to have you on the program. Well, keep, thank you so much, Pedro. Good work. God bless you and your vital work. You too. too. Thank you very much. You're listening to a special edition of Salt and Light Radio Celebrating Life. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. That was a conversation I had with David B. Wright, founder of the 40 Days for Life campaign, which takes place in cities across North America several times a year. You can find out more at 40daysforlife.com. That's the number 4040daysforlife.com. Go out, check it out, support it. If you cannot find a location near you, you can always sit around your table and pray and fast. You don't have to be in front of the abortion facility to pray and fast. And write to us, why don't you? Let us know what your experience is with the 40 Days for Life campaign or with any pro-life campaign. Let us know. Write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Here now is an opening commentary from October 2011. How should I feel when I hear about the death of Gaddafi? I am not a Libyan. I do not have any friends from Libya. All I know is what I hear in the media. Part of me is happy for Libyans who have been yearning for this moment for so many years. It is not unlike what we went through in Panama after 20 years of military dictatorship. After a brief military intervention on the part of the United States, Manuel Noriega was arrested and taken away. That was reason to celebrate. But Noriega was not killed. Had he been, I don't know if I would have celebrated at all. Yes, a part of me wants to be happy for the change in Libya, but a larger part of me wants to grieve. I want to grieve because a life has been lost. I want to grieve because of all the lives that have been lost. I am sad that this loss of life gives people reason to celebrate. If we're going to call ourselves pro-life, we need to be for life in all aspects of life. We can't only be concerned about abortion, but we also have to be able to speak on behalf of the elderly and the disabled. Are you able to speak against euthanasia and assisted suicide? Are you able to speak against capital punishment? Are you able to explain that loss of life is a terrible thing? It doesn't matter if that life is not legally considered a person with rights or if that life is not considered valuable or whether we think that this person has anything to contribute to society. It doesn't even matter if that person is responsible for horrible crimes against innocent people. It doesn't matter if that person is responsible for crimes against you. So, as we go about our pro-life activities, let's not just think about abortion, euthanasia, or capital punishment. 
Let's think also about changing the minds of people who believe that under certain circumstances, it is okay to take a life, any life. It may be necessary and justified, but it's never okay, and it's always a reason to grieve. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Here is Lorraine Hartsook with the title track of her album, Embrace the Cross. I kneel before you, Lord, with tears in my eyes, staring at the cross, hanging way up high. I begin to wonder. Could this really be That one man would give his life Give his life for me I surrender my heart to you Suffering is so hard to do Lord, lift me up Fill me with strength
You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. That was our featured artist of the week, Lorraine Hartsook, with Embrace the Cross. Lorraine Hartsook is a singer, songwriter, author, and speaker who runs an international outreach ministry that focuses on three areas, evangelization, women's conferences, and pro-life work. Lorraine is on her way back from a trip to the Holy Land, and she joins us now on the phone from Rome. Hello, Lorraine. Hello, Pedro. How are you? I'm great, thank you. So you've been having quite the, quite the trip. Oh, it's been amazing. Okay, and we'll get to that in a bit. I, I want to maybe backtrack a bit just to give our listeners a little bit of a background as to how, uh, what your ministry is all about. Um, soon after you were married to your husband, Larry you found out that you were not able to carry a pregnancy to term. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, my husband and I, like all married couples, wanted to have a baby. Uh, we ended up having 12 miscarriages. So we have 12 little babies in heaven. We have two beautiful adopted children and uh, truly been chosen and blessed by God. So uh, how, how did... How did First of all, how did you come to the idea of adoption, and how did adoption change your life? Well, uh, when the doctors told me that I would be unable to carry a child completely through to a full pregnancy, um, I was born with two reproductive systems, and therefore um, my womb was very small. I could only carry a baby between three and five months gestation. So, of course, you know, we knew that we wanted to adopt if we couldn't have our own children. Um, that was such a blessing to know that um, we couldn't have our own child, but that there was a child that needed us. And so we really encourage anyone who, who can't have a child to reach out to adoption because abortion is not an option, but adoption is the only option. Now, um, uh, throughout your struggles with trying to uh, get pregnant and conception and all that, you've told me in the past, Lorraine, that you compared that experience to the experience of Christ's passion. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes, um, I, I, I did. I, I, I felt like I had walked to Calvary with Jesus. Um, you know, I, I talk about the agonizing, you know, when you find out there's a woman that you can't have a child. I was agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. Um, I felt stripped and scourged as a woman. Um, I felt as though crowned with thorns because I not only couldn't have a child, I was diagnosed with a disease called endometriosis, which is like a benign cancer. I then felt a heavy cross as I carried a depression for 10 long years, and of course, uh, I died to self. I died to control. I died to anger. I died to all those things so that I could come into a new uh, a new life with Jesus and finding out that as I was suffering, I was the closest to Jesus that I had ever been in my life. And so I look at the suffering as not uh, something God is doing to me, but for me. Right. We just, just before you came on, we, we listened to your song, Embrace the Cross. And it makes me think that as you went through that whole purpose, uh, sorry, through that whole process, um, you came to, to a place where you were able to embrace the cross. Is that fair mm-hmm. to say? Mm-hmm. I looked at the, 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 the suffering in my life and embracing that cross, embracing that suffering, not as something that would be uh, a torture, but as something that would, was meant for my salvation, you know, uh, so that I could truly come into this intimate relationship with Jesus in sharing 
Um, and Philippians, I think it's Philippians 3.10 that says, all I want is to know Christ, to experience the power of his resurrection, to become one with him. And through our suffering, we become one with Christ. We become very intimate in sharing in that suffering together. That's true. The, closest, the closer we get to him, the more he uh, makes us partake in his suffering. Isn't that so true? Oh, for sure. Now, just for anyone who might be joining us at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and I'm speaking with singer, songwriter, author, and speaker Lorraine Hartsook, who just spent a week, 10 days in the Holy Land. Lorraine, what was that mm-hmm. trip all about? Well, actually, we're on our 23rd day. Oh, wow. So what, what, uh, what took you to the Holy Land? Um, I was invited. Uh, there are two deacons uh, that are participating uh, on this trip, uh, Deacon Patrick from uh, Wisconsin and Deacon Carlos Nodry, who is the leader of this tour, tour group to uh, the Holy Land. And he asked me if I would do all the music ministry, and of course I prayed about it and really felt strongly that the Lord wanted me to come. It has been an experience uh, for me to to discover a life of holiness, um, not only uh, experiencing this life of holiness wherever Jesus tread, but also living the experience of the holiness of mm-hmm. life, and that's what the Holy Land has done for me. We began in Egypt, you know, with the refuge of the of the Holy Family, and uh, oh, Pedro, we climbed Mount Sinai. 14 kilometers, 7 kilometers up, 7 kilometers down, to watch the sunrise in the middle of the night at 2 o'clock in the morning. And as we watched that sunrise and the wind was blowing, and just thinking of Moses on the top of that mountain. Oh, what an experience. What a wonderful experience, I know. Israel, so much to tell. Wedding at Cana, you know, celebrating the memorial of my baptism at the Jordan River. Uh, The Sea of Galilee, we danced on the boat and we sang. Um, Valley of the Shadow of the Death, as I stared at the wilderness, uh, uh, swam in the Dead Sea, uh, uh, Jericho, Zacchaeus in the Sycamore Tree, mm-hmm. and not only just overlooking the city of Jerusalem, and how God is asking all of us to help build the new Jerusalem. Right. Um, oh, there's just so much to tell, but, but my heart and my faith has, been, has come so much alive through the scriptures and through the people, and... Um, you know, so many people say, well, don't go to Israel. It's such, you know, there, there, there's such trouble over there right I now. Know. You know, we felt that we were so safe. Right. It was so beautiful. Israel is so beautiful. Uh, and we were so well taken care of and felt so loved. And the experience of, of, of Jesus and where he lived and where he walked, it was absolutely beautiful. Now, Lorraine, you, you went on this uh, trip... certainly for your own purposes and you wanted to do that, but also uh, to help with your ministry with the music. So this is something that you do. You you do concerts, you do uh, women's conferences, uh, you're a speaker, you're an author. Um, If people want to find out more about that, to bring you in for a conference or to for a concert, uh, how do they do that? You know, I have a website, Pedro, and it's just my first and last name dot com. And so that's Lorraine. Hartsook, H-A-R-T-S, like Sam, O-O-K, dot but, com. That's right, and we and will actually put this link on our website, so if people don't yeah. have a pen, if they're driving, they can just go to saltandlighttv.org uh, yes. slash radio, and they, they can find the link. So if they go to your website, they can find all the information, how to purchase your albums. 
There's a sample of music there. It it, it describes uh, what the outreach outreach ministry is about, and uh, they can buy the music if they'd like, and also any contact information is there as well, Pedro. I know, and, and if I can just say to our listeners, I've, I've known you for a couple of years now, Lorraine, and I've had the chance to interview you a few times, and I'm very familiar with your work. Um, Lorraine is great for uh, that slightly different twist on the pro-life message, which is specific to adoption, but also in terms of suffering, trust for parish missions. Um, so I highly encourage anyone who's looking for a, uh, a speaker for a parish mission or, or something slightly different to, mm-hmm. to contact you, Lorraine. Um, we're going to end uh, by playing the song that you sang last time I saw you in Brampton, Lorraine, Take a Stand for Life. It hasn't been recorded, but we recorded it. So, And I think it's such a great song. Can you maybe leave us with a little reflection as to how that song came about, Take a Stand for Life? Well, what I've learned here in the Holy Land is that we're to all to be living stones. Jesus was the bread of life, and now he's asking each one of us to take a stand of life, and, and particularly to take a stand against abortion, but also for the lonely and the elderly and for all of God's creation. He is calling us and asking us to please take a stand for this life. We are his hands, his feet, and his voice. And, and this, is, this is something we all need to respond to this call. And so I was inspired to write this song um, just for the whole world, to let them know the importance of this, of this response and saying yes to God. Well, Lorraine, thank you so much for that. I know you're in a bit of a rush, so I'm going to let you go. Thank you for taking the time for joining us on Salt and Light Radio today. Yes, God bless you, Pedro. Thank you. That was singer, songwriter, author, and speaker Lorraine Hartsuk, who joined us on the phone from Rome. That conversation with Lorraine Hartsuk was from March 2009. And that takes us to the end of this special Salt and Light Radio Celebrating Life. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and on Facebook at facebook.saltandlighttv.org. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Thank you for listening. Here now to take us out is Lorraine Hartsuk with her pro-life anthem, Take a Stand for Life. In the silence In the stillness I hear a voice Sent from God above Will you go To the nations Renewing faith Filled with hope and love Will you stand beside Each life created the lost and lonely, comforting the aged, heal the broken heart, help the blind to see, proclaiming truth, setting captives free. Will you take a stand, a stand for life, protecting others? Pursuing right Fight the good fight With all your might Will you take a stand Take a stand for life Lift up the lane As they run the race 